Welcome to the second episode of the Dog Pond Daily Podcast. I am Stephen Kabitza. Once again, I am joined by Andrew Sype, site contributor hello, for hello. Dog Pound Daily. Andrew, we recently tried to record this episode talking all about the Browns, going after Kirk Cousins, what it's going to take. But now that he's franchise tagged by the Redskins, what, what do we do? Who's going to be the quarterback for the Browns? Well, it was a huge bummer that Kirk got tagged. I know, <laughs> I know as soon as it happened, I think I looked at my phone and had a text from you that basically said we had to rework our whole podcast. Oh, but. doom and gloom. <laughs> Kirk got tagged. <laughs> um, and then not, not only that, Jimmy Garoppolo's claim now to be uh, unavailable in trade talk. So we'll see how long that lasts, taking two giant options for the Browns off their quarterback board. Yeah, we're going to talk about both of those guys. Let's start with Kirk. Um, obviously, he got to, he got the exclusive franchise tag, so he's getting about you know a measly twenty four million a year in Washington. Could still work out a long term deal, but they could trade him if they want to. Is there any chance the Browns even call Washington about a trade, or you know, because it's just it's going to be too much money at this point, and they I mean, if they tagged him twice, they may want to keep him. They're not doing it the smart way. But is there any reason to even inquire about him anymore? Yeah, I think there's reason to call. I mean, you never know how they truly feel. They could be doing that to drive up the price. But, I mean, if I'm Washington, I want to keep him. So I think you have to do your due due diligence. But I'm a big proponent of if you think he's your franchise guy, then then do whatever it takes to get him. However, in this case, this might be a little bit different because not only are you giving up two first-round picks on a team that has basically no talent – uh, you're you're paying a ton of money to a quarterback that has no talent around him, so it's just an interesting scenario. Yeah, he was he was definitely a guy who was on the Browns' radar, but I it could almost be a it was a fan obsession, like oh maybe we can get Kirk Cousins. Well, it was a maybe we can get anything. Tony Romo. Yeah, but it's it was just kind of hype, you know, the Kirk Cousins hype train. This time of year always gives credence to that of oh we can get this guy's a free agent, maybe he'll want to come sign with the Browns, and that is never the case well it seems Um, a little it's almost too perfect of timing that that it came out the day before that that the browns were rumored to have interest or that kirk was was looking to go anywhere and uh then all of a sudden washington threw the franchise tag on him so it's almost like cousins cousins camp may have leaked out that information themselves hmm that's it's almost weird how that works there was definitely a uh definitely a cousins camp leak there because once those skins saw that he so I'll, I'll play anywhere. They're like, all right, just just tag him. Um, but <laughs> it's a quick way to earn twenty five million. Yeah, I believe it's twenty three point nine four guaranteed. Oh wow! Getting over, uh, getting over a million a game. It's a lot. Must of be nice. He better go. I saw that number. He better go sixteen and zero. It's a lot of because that that's Brock Osweiler money right there. <laughs> I'll tell you, yeah, that's a little bit. <laughs> that's a big time Osweiler. thing to live up to. He's a little bit so with than Brock though. He's a, a, he's a tiny a bit better, you know. Some of the quarterback, but he can actually throw eh. the ball. So moving on from Kirk, and it's it's hard for both of us, I know, to move on from Kirk. <laughs> we'll put him behind us. Let's talk about Garoppolo. We are oh, recording this, one, this, this Wednesday night. Um, this and tough for me. Today on Wednesday, Adam Schefter said, according to his sources, who – I don't know who they are, but they're usually reliable that Garoppolo may not even be up for a trade this year. Now we, I know both jumped on the conspiracy theory bandwagon that this is a smokescreen by the Patriots and the evil genius known as Bill Belichick to drive up the price and maybe have a team like the Browns call and say, you know what? We'll give you our number one pick. 
do you believe it's a smokescreen for sure? Or do you think, you know, the Browns once again should maybe stay away from this? It's obviously a smokescreen. I, I have no inclination or no belief that the Patriots are going to sit on that asset. I think everyone, Tom Brady's made it known um, that he's going to play for four more years or wants to play for four more years. And he's like the healthiest no, guy in the NFL too. Yeah. He shows no signs of breaking down. We saw that in the Super Bowl. I, I think Bill Belichick wants to maximize his, his assets with Tom Brady and, and extend his Super Bowl window. He's already going to go down as the, the greatest coach in NFL history. So why not extend that legacy? I, it just makes too much sense for the Patriots to, to trade him instead of sitting on him. Yeah. I mean, even if they do keep him, they could always, well, I guess he hits a free agent market in 2018. If they choose to keep him. So what, then they, they keep him on contract for another year and then what franchise him like they did Matt Castle and then try and find a trade partner. Well, they know that they're not like, what leverage do the Patriots have then? You know, if they, if they were able, if they franchised him, all he, all the teams would know that they could just go after Jimmy Garoppolo in the open market because they're not going to pay Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo on a second franchise tag. Look what it's already costing Kirk Cousins to keep for a second franchise tag. Yeah, I, I couldn't see them tagging him. That would just be – they would just let him go. Cause, but, yeah, this year, I, I don't know. I Like I said, I believe it's a smokescreen. But I also don't think that the Browns, the Bears, or the Niners are going to give up a top three pick. For him, but at the same time, if you're Belichick, what's the point of holding on to him if he's going to be a free agent and you're not going to tag him? So it's it's an interesting story to follow for sure. I mean, and I, it's also, I do think he's a I think he's a good quarterback. So I think there's uh, there's a reason why the Patriots are going to sit there and say, oh well, we're willing to keep him. It's not like a seventh yeah, good round point. guy that has come in and and be like, oh well, this guy we think this guy's really good. Like you know, it's not. I think there's obvious talent with Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and they have a right to hold it to the vest to drive up that yeah, price. And saying saying they want to keep him even drives up the price because they're like, oh, wow, you know, if they're not going to openly trade this guy, then we maybe we should call and give him a good offer for it. And but, Yeah, I mean, what's the point of if, releasing all your cards now, especially at the Combine? Like, everyone knows his quarterback class isn't stellar. There's really I, – I don't see a guy that's going to upseat uh, Miles Garrett as the number one overall pick. So it's it's really in their court – Again, that's why I don't think the Browns are going to give up number one for Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think 12 should be in play because, you know, if you can walk away in the draft with a, a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo that's better, I guess more suited to play right away than a guy than some of the quarterbacks in the draft, it only makes more and more sense as the draft process continues. See, I, I don't want to give up 12 for Garoppolo, but I do see the mindset if you do give up Garopp, or the 12 for Garoppolo, you have your starting quarterback, and you still have four picks in the top 65. So well, you're not so completely you know, derailing the whole draft. Do you, do you not want to take a quarterback at 12 or just not Jimmy Garoppolo at 12? Mm, I, would, I don't want to take Garoppolo with the 12th pick. I'd rather get a, a rookie, you know, get him on that rookie deal. Um, have him come in because I, I don't think the Browns are going to win more than four games next season, regardless. Um, well, in my when I eventually preview this season, I'm going to say nine and seven with a smile on my face. But realistically, I don't think I don't think you know, no matter who comes in, they're going to be like really good or even contending for anything except third place in the AFC North. You know, so I'd rather I, just have a rookie come in and learn under Hugh Jackson, kind of how Andy Dalton did, take some time and. Just yeah, develop. I mean, but I, even look at the Eagles. The Eagles had Carson Wentz back there, and they had next to nobody, just like the Browns. And good quarterback play could take you a long way in the NFL. 
a long way. All it takes is a few bounces in a couple games to get. Yeah, the Browns' defense was so bad this year. I agree, but that's not to say that they don't go after a guy in Tremaine Johnson who played under Greg Williams if he doesn't get franchise tag. Uh, Tony Jefferson from the Arizona Cardinals, another guy on defense that can help shore up some of the secondary issues. I mean, it's. I'm not saying this team's going to turn around and go 12 and four, but they do have a lot of room to sign key young free agents coming off their their rookie deals. And if you can trade a number 12 pick to get a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, it, quarterback play is only going to help accelerate that process. And yeah, if, if they can get those free agents, then definitely it becomes more of an option, you know, for me. But as of right now, obviously a trade like that wouldn't happen until draft night. Um, they're going to keep Garoppolo in here offers until, you know, each team is on the phone making their or you know, on the clock making their pick. But for now, I just it, there's so many other pieces that need to be filled. If you can get a top defensive guy, I'm not one of the people who's staunch like defense wins championships because seeing how bad the quarterback play has been for the Browns, they just need someone competent back there, and that would just help them so much. And people, yeah, people say defense wins championships. Tom Brady wins championships. <laughs> um, well, even it, it does, it's, but it's like it just any sport. It 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 changes. It's never just offense or defense. It's well, what's defense really measured on? You know, so look at Arizona or not Arizona. Atlanta had one of the best ranked defenses in the NFL. But you want to know why? They're playing from with a twenty-one nothing lead, and they are able to blitz the quarterback every. They're allowed to take chances because they're playing from in front. You can take risks when you do that. It's not like the Browns where you're down 14 nothing and have to abandon the run in the first quarter, and now your defense is on the field the entire game because RG3 can't throw a first down. Oh, I agree. There's, there's, there's so much that goes into it. You can't – my – yeah, I – you get I mean, frustrated not, with the Browns' defense even last year, but yeah, when they're starting not, on the 50-yard line every time. Yeah, and I'm do? not saying that the Browns' defense just by – good quarterback play is going to be better but a lot I just think a lot of the defensive statistics can be skewed based on some of the quarterback player or offenses that the defenses are playing behind you know same thing with a good offense or same thing in basketball good what is it good defense creates good offense so you get stops you get out in transition it's the same type of thing if your defense can stay fresh the longer they're on the sideline the fresher they're going to be in the fourth quarter I agree with that and you know if they can get a few pieces in there outside of the draft Mm-hmm. that are you know actually talent not just getting random guys off the waiver wire like they do all well, the, year the but brandon, just, uh is it brandon williams from the ravens that they're not franchise tagging so that's there's and don terry poe's a free agent too there's a couple defensive tackles out there that that i hope greg williams has his eye on him him and danny shelton in the middle whew. and they certainly have the money that's why let's move on to a current browns player who kind of relate to this salary cap situation terrell Pryor. So the Browns have over a hundred million dollars to spend, oh, which they, is insane. T- hey, let's not they they sign their long snapper, they sign the punter, and Britton Colquitt. Yeah, four year extension. I, I was I was worried about him leaving. You know, hey, the most Browns way to spend a hundred million dollars in cap space. I'll tell you that <laughs> they're going to sign nine kickers. Yep. Um, but so uh, prior did not get franchise tagged, leaving former kicker Phil Dawson as the only Browns player to ever receive the tag. And that's not that's not necessarily bad because it means the Browns usually can work out some deals with guys, but it's getting pretty risky here with Pryor, who, and people say, oh, like I saw a tweet today. Oh, he's not worth $15 million, which is the tag range. And someone responded and said, 
The Browns have a hundred million dollars. When you're a bad team, you have to overspend on players. And who's to say he's not worth that? That's the tag number. If they're not willing to give him a long-term extension, that's what he's going to cost. People are, I mean, so what are they going to judge him on the fact that he only caught a thousand yards with six different quarterbacks? I mean, what's going to happen when he goes to the open market? You t- you're telling me if he goes to New England that he's not worth fifteen million dollars a year? Like, and it's just it's all speculative there. value. There's no, yeah. there's no like, oh, he's not worth fifteen. How can you gauge that? Yeah, I, I mean, if people want to give him a Doug Baldwin contract, but you know what? I'd pay Doug Baldwin fifteen million dollars a year. Just gets keeps the they talent. Ha- on they the have a hundred million dollars to spend. Yeah. NFL rosters are always very top heavy. You're going to have your skill players receiving a lot of money. Maybe a few <laughs> linemen like Joe Thomas, but there's no reason why you can't give Pryor fifteen million. Oh well, no. So then they can bring in six more wide receivers on a rookie contract. Exactly. Use, you know, I, if you've got a guy that's proven, I, I really don't understand why. The, the both sides haven't worked this out yet. I think if the Browns are lowballing them, they need to, to really sack up and just and pay the man his money. You know, it, it's one thing for a guy like Jamie Collins that may not, like you know, at the, at the beginning there was a lot of speculation whether he truly would resign with Cleveland because you know it really isn't the most enticing team in the league. Um, the fact that Terrell Pryor has come out and said that he wants to be here is all the more reason why you need to sign him, you know, if, if, if they can't come to an agreement, you know, I'm already start, That's already a sign that I'm losing faith in this front office to retain their in-house talent. Yeah. It, obviously we don't know the discussions. Maybe they've talked with his agent and said, we're going to work out a deal. But even if you tag him, you could still work out a deal all the way up till July 15th. Yeah. Although I do see the point of, if you tag him, he might just say, all right, I'm, I'm fine with the tag. I'm fine with that 15 yep. guaranteed. So you want to wait, and we don't know, like I said, the discussions, but... Well, if you tag him like that, it gives him a baseline for next year. Then exactly. he is worth $15 million. million. You know, Elshon Jeffrey got tagged, and that, I can guarantee you there's no way he's... He's not going to get nearly what he got on the tag this year in free agency. Not a yeah. chance. It's, it's, it's a weird mindset. It's, it seems like some Browns fans, they act like it's their own money, and they also act like, oh, well, well we drafted four receivers. Like, okay, well, we have we have a guy who... No one else wanted. We turned him into a you know top receiver for our team. He's a team leader, going to be a leader on a very young offense, can help all these young receivers they have. And because people forget, he, it's not like he's a rookie or a second-year guy. He's been in the league for about five years. I heard a, I heard a guy on the radio that got upset because the, the Browns like over Andrew Hawkins. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> come on. Like, you're going to keep a guy on the roster that's so – I mean, yeah, he's a solid receiver, very productive, but what is he really teaching those young guys? I, I get that there's some mentoring going on that, like, you're having that older veteran in the locker room, but at some point, you're you're putting a guy on the field that's the opposite of your process. You know, you yeah, the whole process is they're rebuilding, and that's that that's why you, when you rebuild, you you keep some veteran talent, but you can't keep it all. And Pryor is a guy who is not a veteran receiver, but he's still a veteran player. He's a guy you have to keep over someone like Hawkins. He's <laughs> There's huge. no question. He runs. I mean, the dude is, is just hitting his potential as a receiver. And the fact that you're not, not, you're not paying for the value of what he is right now. You're paying for the value of what you see in those flashes, in those preseason games where he's catching bombs from RG3. You're looking at, at what the future could be with a guy like Mitch Trubisky, heaving up and throwing it 60 yards downfield to a wide open throw prior you know those are the kind of things that you look for in that receiver and and for the browns to be kind of skimpy on their contract discussions is just a little alarming to me yeah it's it doesn't make any sense honestly it's they're they're once again it's it's like i said it's too early to jump on but it it's overthinking 
a simple move. That's, I mean, it's the same thing last year. They traded out a number two on the same on the thing that oh well we'll punt this year a quarterback in the hopes that there's a, a quarterback this year that separates themselves. There's a clear cut number one. Well, you know, I hear a lot of the arguments for Sam Darnold and the Browns should wait till next year, and there's no guarantee. You know, I would love. I, I just watched film on on him before we started this podcast. You know, I would I would love to see him in a Browns uniform, but you know. You, you just can't keep waiting. Waiting gets coaches fired. No, so. yeah, that's the problem. People say like, "Oh, well, we'll just get a quarterback next year." Well, your 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 team's going to be horrible forever because yeah. it's. What if he gets hurt? What if he? What if another team? What if the Browns aren't the worst team in the NFL? And do you really want to watch another whole season of the, them being terrible? Like it's just it's miserable. It's it ruins the point of professional sports if your team is well. consistently horrible. Exactly, and that's today. Sashi Brown, I, th- I believe, said that, that he didn't rule out the possibility of of RG three, Cody Kessler, and Kevin Hogan returning as all three quarterbacks. Oh no! I think if that if that's your case, then Hugh Jackson better be already lining up another job. I I, I don't see a scenario that Hugh Jackson fields a team with those three quarterbacks this year. I I just don't see it. Yeah, it'd be unfair to Hugh. If that's who he gets, that's why it seems like someone like Tyrod Taylor could be targeted if he's let go by the Bills, because he's not going to come in and you know go sixteen and zero or even twelve and four, but he can at least give them consistent quarterback play. So it highlights the fact that the quarterback play isn't the main problem here. We could use a star; every team could use a star quarterback, but it's the parts like the defense and they could actually in certain receiver slots, they could see guys where they need to improve as opposed to the offense is so miserable because the leader of the offense is so bad that you can't even gauge the team. I mean, that's what separates your front office from one another. You know, you look at teams like Indianapolis. So yeah, they have a great quarterback. You know, if they had a GM that drafted some pieces around them, they'd be a damn good football team. But then you take a look at teams like the Patriots who consistently draft well and may not have studs, at, at those key positions, but they're just guys that come in and do their job. You have the Packers. The Packers have all the offensive weapons in the world, but you know what? They still, on defense, have some of those issues in the secondary. That every, like Every team has those issues. And when you have a quarterback there, you're able to develop other positions better. And when you hit on those draft picks, it really helps to separate you from maybe that 6-7 and seven win team to more that 11-12 and 12 win team. And those teams aren't afraid to take chances either. That's key. There's all those all the top teams in the NFL have players who are considered to be oh they're it's a bad contract. But if you're on a four year fifty million dollar deal or something, and you have one bad year, it doesn't mean it's a bad contract. And that seems like that's how Browns fans are. It's so year to year, it's like if they sign prior to say say prior gets twelve a year for four years, and he has an average year this year with like Cody Kessler throwing the ball to him. And nothing against Kessler, we both like Cody Kessler, but. He's you can't gauge someone's value on an inexperienced quarterback throwing him the ball. Yeah, it's just one of those things too where we've just been through so much in year to year. You know, it's really tough to gauge anything aside from like what the current front office is doing because aside from like maybe five years ago, everything's been every two years changed and changed out. So you almost you're so used to giving that new front office like a couple chances to get things right, or in some cases, just no chances at all because you're so sick of it. So it's really tough to, to trust a front office because you think, I mean, like us, I know we, we give the confidence or the benefit of the doubt to all these front offices. Well, you have to almost because exactly. you have no control over the situation. So if, if you yeah. immediately don't trust them, then don't even watch the games. There's no point because you're going to be so upset. 
Anytime something yeah. you're going to be so now when there's moves like, like Dwayne Bow being though? signed, that's okay to be frustrated. But I get that. But can you really blame fans though? Like, and, and not everyone is like is such a diehard like us. So you're watching, even if you're watching casually, like you're you're still trying to pay attention to the team. And yeah, and we're we're see, making blanket knowing. statements saying fans, but there's people who I mean, me and you are very young Browns fans. There's people who have been fans since. I mean, they're in their 70s, and you can't blame them for being like, oh, they're no. they're lying. Front office is lying. Because yeah. after that long, and me and you also go in with the mindset of, you know, we, we love the Browns, but we also, you know, it, it does affect our emotions for the week. But we <laughs> we don't go into the season thinking Super Bowl or bust. We go in just game the game. Let's hope they do well. Because it, it's at the end of the day, it's football. And we still yeah, get upset I mean, when they do bad, but there's no point to go in pessimistic because it, well, it just, just like, ruins it's just the fun like of even one, watching. It, it, it's, you watch it knowing that it's going to be bad, but you're so <laughs> frustrated because you're like, this is not that hard. Like I see teams do this on Sun, like Sunday Night Football. I watch Sunday Night fo- Football in America, Football Night in America, and you just see the different level of football. You watch the the Falcons, the Packers. You're like, wow. Well, take that just... one, take that one throw from Aaron Rodgers to Richard <laughs> yeah. Rodgers. Like this is fun to watch. Then you watch the Browns and RG three is just slopping the ball into the ground five feet away. You're like, J- I watched Aaron Rodgers lace a 36 yard frozen rope to Jared Cook right on the. <laughs> yeah, right and even like his hail marys, everything. It's oh. it's it's almost like we're watching a different sport. And t- yeah, teams like, come to Cleveland with there? no fear of losing. And Terrell Pryor, I mean, you talk about teams not fearing you. Talk about giving a team uh, something to game plan for. You take away Terrell Pryor. What are they, I mean, they could. you pick any part of their game, they'll pick the Browns apart. If they don't re-sign Terrell Pryor, they're going to have one of the worst receiving cores in the entire NFL. Because Corey Coleman's going to be double teamed the entire game, and you're going to have Ricardo Lewis, who notoriously has stone hands. You're going to have Jordan Payton, who... Doesn't look like he can get open. Is he still on the team? He is. I he did end the season suspended, I believe, for um, substance abuse or uh, performance enhancing drug, which is always a good way to end your rookie must season. Have, must have had a bad guy. But, uh, at the same deal. time, we do. Josh Gordon is applying for reinstatement again. Now, I want I want a number here. Percent chance zero. Gordon is on the field next year. Zero. Zero. I, I'm gonna I go. <laughs> How many times I've literally gotten my hopes up for the last two years? Well, I, I do think I he'll be reinstated though, because Goodell. All the people hate Goodell, but Josh Gordon's an interesting case. He I mean, he, he kind of had like year. a relapse situation. He had a lot of stuff in his life, and I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to you know bring in all the sides of it. He he was set to come back, and I believe he found out he was a father of a kid, and just was very stressful. And he looks like he's working towards comeback. He's not like Johnny Manziel, who's like appearing on you know videos throwing footballs at barstool sports guys. But he seems like he's working out to come back. But like you said, you get your hopes up. There's almost no point in even throwing out a number. And it's not like the Browns have like no. I think the Browns front office has zero faith that he's ever going to I mean, clean up. Oh, they'll come out and, and say they support his. His goals and, and his recovery, and that's great. I, I just I don't see a scenario in which the Browns trust him enough to play on their football team. And you, I would love to keep him, and I hope that, that if they do keep him, I'm still going to be happy about it. But 
I, I've, I've seen this fiddle being played three times now and, and him trying to come back, and I just can't. There's like there's there's no reason times. to cut him, and people say, "Oh, just cut him." He's not, he's not even getting paid, or he's not on the team. There's no. no point to cut him, but there's no point to get your hopes up at the same time. Yeah, I mean, if he comes into training camp and is busting his ass, like I know in 2013 they said he was like loafing in practice, and if he's coming, he's coming in every day doing his job. I mean, being a, a good influence on the locker room, then it's fine. But I just I don't see. It'll be. I don't think he's just gonna. I don't think he's gonna pass reinstatement. So once that happens, we'll go from there. Yeah, it's it's almost it's like too stressful to even talk about because he's so talented, as we all know. And if he if him Dude, if him and Pryor on. could line up at one and two receivers, and you even put Coleman in the slot or something, or just put Gordon put in the me slot, a quarterback, <laughs> and I think we'd be all right. Yeah, it's it's difficult. But with going back to the Pryor situation. Not the prior situation, the Terrell prior situation. <laughs> tough. Uh, nice. I see what you did there. Tough. I see, yeah, what, see what I did there. Segways are hard. So <laughs> it, it's almost you don't want to, like you said, you don't want to just go in hating the front office. But it's just hard to trust them. I mean, they talk, they put such an emphasis on retaining their own talent, and they they got Jamie Collins done right away. And and I get that that maybe Terrell Pryor's agents were pushing him to hit the market because God knows what he could get from a team that is desperate for a wide receiver, like say Philadelphia or I don't know, whoever else, Washington. The crazy thing is um, if he signs somewhere else, there's going to be Browns fans who are saying, Oh, he's not loyal, blah, 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 blah. There's no loyalty. If no one's like, if a team has to pay you what you're worth, exactly. that's the whole point of free agency. And sports. Give him, I mean, I'm not saying he deserves $15 million, but if that's what he's asking for and you want him on your team, you think he's a building block. You're going to have to do that for, for players at this stage in the rebuild. It's going to have to happen. Yeah, you have so much money. You can, what does Jimmy has some like sign. need to pay legal fees yeah. or something. Ooh, that's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Dive more into that next. On, uh, <laughs> that's a conspiracy theory. Lives. We want to jump on. No, it's, it's, it's baffling that they, like I've been saying that they would even, go into free agency with him not signed. But at the same time, they could they could still negotiate with him over the next week. They don't have to let him hit the market. He um, wants a new, yeah, new year they, begins, but... I mean, they said they're going to talk to him, his representatives at the Combine. There was an article written on that. So I, 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 I believe that something's going to happen. It's just, if it doesn't happen, that's when I'm like, oh, come on, guys. If it happens before this podcast is posted, I'm going to be so <laughs> mad. <laughs> It'll break tomorrow morning. <laughs> tomorrow, right when you're right when you get done editing it, editing it, you'll click save and Terrell Pryor. Sign Breaking news. Nope, nope. <laughs> I will deny it. Take this poor, take this podcast down from like forty minutes to twenty minutes. <laughs> well, to get off the prior train, in case that you know scenario happens, let's talk about. I know in our last podcast attempt before we got you know ruined by Kirk, <laughs> let down by Kirk, we were talking about scenarios for the quarterback situation. You kind of brought it up already with RG3, Kessler, um, and Hogan coming in as the three quarterbacks. Would you be comfortable at all with Cody Kessler and RG3 duking it out for a starting spot to open the season? Or would you think that'd just be a waste of a season and they just wasted all these great opportunities to even draft a guy or go after a guy like Tyrod Taylor or even offer a big haul for Garoppolo? No, I don't feel comfortable 
with our. It was a loaded question, yes. So that's the first. Yeah, part. I'm gonna just I'm gonna start off by saying no. I I, I don't think RG three being on the roster at all is a good thing. <laughs> um, I mean, if he's gonna be in a quarterback battle, look how it ended up with Kirk Cousins and. In Washington, yeah, like, RG three didn't even think, dress. He drafted Cody Kessler for a reason, and RG three should not get in the way of Cody Kessler seeing the field. So, if they think Kessler's the guy, then then go for it. I, I just don't think he's the guy right away. I think he's one of those guys that that you kind of you, you you give the first round pick a chance, and you keep giving Kessler those backup reps to to develop. And then when maybe that rookie's contract is getting up or you start to see that maybe he's not the guy, Kessler's got that three, four year of experience to kind of step in and say, all right, well, I think I can run this offense now. You know, it's I just I don't see it right now in his his downfield ability to to stretch the field. I don't see it's, it. t- it's tough with the Browns and especially for us Browns fans, because every quarterback on the roster, we have to have a legitimate conversation about, would you be comfortable with them starting? No other team goes through this. No nope, one's like, one. Oh, well, would you be comfortable if you know, your third string quarterback started? The answer is obviously no. That's why he's a third no, string. I mean, I mean, there, there's a reason why they made the third quarterback. You could just not have to dress one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> there's a reason because most teams didn't have to touch them. And I understand that, that there's a lot of talk about how bad the Browns offensive line is. And, yeah, it's getting old. It probably needs a few pieces there, but it would also help if the quarterbacks didn't hold on to the ball for 10 seconds. I mean, people don't realize that offensive linemen aren't supposed to block for five seconds every play. Well, they probably turn around and they look, they're like, did he throw the ball already? Well, there's countless <laughs> like, situations where the, the tackles would block the guys outside to, form, a, to mm-hmm. form the pocket like you're supposed to. And when RG3 was in there, he would run to the outside. Like, like me, every time I play Madden, I just sprint to the outside every single time and get drilled. But you can't do that in the NFL, and it seems that seems almost seems unnatural, like just I, like in your mind like, to not every play to run to the not outside. Every play is a long play. Yeah, not every play has to be a home run. You know, find and I, I I play with the Browns playbook in Madden all the time. I know there's a lot of short routes in there, so you've got to be able to find your receivers right away based on the coverage. It's not that another hard. conspiracy theory. It's really not. Just get rid of. The I ball. have Hugh Jackson's playbook on my desk. <laughs> no, every playbook has this. It's just common sense and. It's, and, and the Patriots do it so well, and people talk about Jimmy Garoppolo being a system quarterback. Well, I would love that. That'd be a, a great system. system. That means he's good. That, that means he's good. You know, he's playing well in the NFL on a on a system that that not only allows him to be. He he's shown that he's been poised. He's he has to be accurate in that system, and he's shown to be. Uh, I mean, like if he's a so a system quarterback, what system? What better system than New England? Yeah, they run a pro style system. What of all these quarterbacks coming out of the draft run? All that spread offense, impossible to to judge whether they even translate to the NFL level. Put a guy back there that that knows how to run an NFL offense, and I guarantee you that ball will come out a lot quicker. And yeah, when you watch years. the Patriots, when Tom Brady gets hit, he is so shocked. Like there, there was when Tom Brady gets sacked. There's a key personnel breakdown among the offensive line, the running backs, and him. When a Browns quarterback gets sacked. It's just it's everyone's looking around like I don't know. <laughs> it's you're not even surprised. It's so no. much goes on the quarterback that people put on the offensive line. There's always it's weird to me that there's Browns fans protect the quarterback so much. Like people say like well, oh well, maybe of, we can put RG three like the line's bad. Well the well, line like I mean, you said may at, not be great but he's not a good quarterback. 
I mean, how many times did we, and Kessler's guilty yeah. of this too, literally staring at a blitzing linebacker and not adjusting. Well, he's a rookie too, third string rookie, so that's and, tough. No, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, you have RG3, a guy that has clearly shown that he can't read NFL defenses. He can't do it. And, and he had a whole offseason. He came here in March he of last year. Whole offseason to prepare. I, I'm so I'm done with RG3. But even Kessler, I mean, if you can find a quarterback that's able to understand defenses and, and adjust pre-snap at the line, that's why I like Mitch so much because he was basically running that North Carolina offense. He's deciding, and it's a little different, probably a little bit more simplified because it's more he's deciding whether they're running or passing on 75% of their plays. Like, that's awesome. Good. I want a quarterback that's that's able to do that. Give me a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo that that no like if play to play could literally run a no huddle offense with Hughes playbook and and give that up tempo offense that Hugh Jackson wanted and had with Andy Dalton two years ago. No, I agree. You you bring in a guy who's smart, gets rid of the ball, and just I mean, reading a defense, it's not easy. We're not saying it's easy, but it's mm-hmm. you have to do it. There's there's no time to learn how. It's, it's, it's too late. I mean, why do you think Johnny Manziel struggled so hard when he came into the NFL that first game? Uh, it, you go from Texas A&M throwing up the ball, literally just running around in the backfield. <laughs> throwing it to Mike Evans deep, every time. And heaving it to Mike Evans, yeah. And RG3 is the same way at Baylor. Same thing. I mean, take, put, put a guy – I would rather see a guy back there. And Mahomes, I, I don't like any of his mechanics, but he's able to get the ball out, and he gets it out quick and accurately. So – just someone that is able to see a route right away. And I don't care if it's a, if it's a two-yard dink right to the running back. If, it's, if it gets eight yards, good. I, I, it doesn't need to be – every pass doesn't need to be in the air for 15 yards downfield. Just be accurate. Be accurate and throw, throw your receivers open. Yeah, I completely agree. It's, we're almost so used to horrible quarterback play <laughs> that – we have to break it down to the basics so much and be like, oh, what kind of quarterback do you want? Oh, just a guy who can read a defense and, you know, get rid of the ball without getting sacked. Like, can you imagine being a Patriots fan talking to a Browns fan? Like, what do you mean? They have never seen a quarterback not know how to play football. Like, it's not even so good. It's not even not know how to play football. It's just like fundamentals of being an NFL player. It's, well, I guess I would, I mean, yeah, not Colt knowing McCoy, how to play NFL like, football. Colt McCoy is good at those kind of things. Like, I think he, he's a little physically limited, but I still think Colt McCoy is a pretty decent quarterback <laughs> in the NFL. And it's because he's able to read defenses and be accurate, but he's almost in that Cody Kessler situation where he's a little bit too small and probably doesn't have the downfield arm talent like some of these other quarterbacks do. And I believe, I believe Colt McCoy started ahead of RG3 in Washington when Kirk Cousins was out. Yeah. It was true. I was there. I was living in D.C. when that was going on. And I'm like, do you big guys, guys do Big Colt fan. That Co- yeah. I'm like, you guys don't realize that Colt McCoy, like I, there were fans in, in Washington chanting for Art, or, uh, Colt McCoy to be the starter over Kirk Cousins. Been there like, before. That, <laughs> there were people that wanted Colt McCoy. They're like, RG3 can't stay healthy. And there's people in Washington before he got cut. RG3 can't stay healthy. Kirk is a diva. Oh, like he's not that good. We need to start Colt McCoy, and I'm sitting there as a Browns fan, like, oh, wow. I thought Cleveland was bad. <laughs> These guys are wa- arguing for Colt McCoy to start. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, I would gladly take Colt. He's my hero. He's a folk hero between me and you. Yeah. Led some, led some of the greatest Browns wins and those five and eleven those seasons. Are fun times. 
I remember watching Josh Cribbs had a crackback block on Brandon Merriweather. Damn near killed him. It was so awesome. Watch the Colt McCoy 24-yard run against the Patriots. He scrambled. And Josh Cribbs has this crackback block on Brandon Merriweather, and it he lights him up. It's awesome. I remember being at that game. Random Browns. Random Browns memories. <laughs> Where were you in 2011 when the Browns <laughs> were led by the great Colt McCoy? Peyton Hillis. Is there, is, is there a better Texas football name than Colt McCoy? Peyton Hillis. Oh, he's the Alabama guy. That's what it was. Or Oklahoma. He went to Arkansas. He was actually Arkansas. the three-headed monster Arkansas. with uh, McFadden. DeMarco. Or yeah, McFadden. and uh, Maybe Niall Davis. Joseph Randall? Joseph Randall? No. We'll never know. No. There's no internet to look Felix this stuff Jones. up. Felix Jones. Yes. I think it was Felix Jones. And he was the third third guy, Random and of course the Browns got him because he was the third guy. Trivia competition. Yeah, random random NFL trivia that'll never win me a <laughs> trivia contest. Who was Peyton Hillis part of a three headed monster? Oh, um. Well, that's that's the most of the problem with the trivia questions. It's like, ooh, NFL. Like I know this kind of stuff, and it's like in 1986, what was the first <laughs> letter of the old <laughs> New York Stadium sidewalk letter? You're like, what? I, who would know that? This one guy like, oh. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we get too deep into, as we do with every podcast, 2011, 2012 Brown <laughs> seasons, our favorite seasons ever, I want to ask you, based on the current situation of the stuff we know now with Garoppolo, Cousins, and all that, who do you think will be the Browns' starting quarterback in 2017? I did see some reports today. Some reporters are thinking Tyrod Taylor. Others say Cody Kessler. Who do you think is going to be the starter? Mitch Trubisky. I like it. Come on home, Mitch. You're my quarterback. So you think Mitch Trubisky is going to open the season as the starting quarterback? That's my quarterback. I hope so. Well, no, that wasn't the question. It was who do you th- who's <laughs> going to be the starter? <laughs> um, it could be Mitch. Could be. I don't think it would. Oh, so see, you missed the point of the um, question. I know. I, in my opinion, and I'll just keep adding words until I think. I'm going to say Tyrod Taylor. Um. Yeah. I'm more on the Mitch train now more than the Tyrod. Well, I'm not Taylor on the Tyrod train. I'm just saying I think he's going to be the starter. You are. You are dodging uh, this. How how many wins with uh with Tyrod Taylor? How many wins do you think the Browns get? Four on the record. Four. <laughs> okay. All right. Not drinking the Tyrod. I, I'm not saying I love Tyrod Taylor. Um, I think right now it seems like his path is most likely headed towards Cleveland based on his contract situation. You think he and the way the Browns operate. You think he, I mean, you think that they would win one more game with Tyrod Taylor and Miles Garrett and whatever else they had in the off season versus the 2014 or 2015 Browns that went three and 13. Yeah, correct. I don't think they're that bad. They're pretty I think, bad. I think the one in 15. I love, I, mean, I, I love the Browns. The I want them to go 16. No, but bad. listen, one in 15 was bad, but th- you can't lie through the first six or seven games. There were a lot of games that were, but very, they couldn't very close, close them out hit that schedule of like, Oh, I know. And that comes with being a rookie team, but I think there's a, a good <laughs> amount of games that could have, literally bounce the other way and that's that's the nfl you know you, that's how that's what separates good teams no i get it i get it you're you are trying to get me on the record now but i still want to know who do you think is going to be the starter <laughs> oh man 
You know, I think part of the reason oh why I don't want to answer is because <laughs> I'm really nervous that it's going to be RG3, <laughs> and I don't want that. I don't want to admit it, so I, I I'm really nervous that it's going to be RG3. But I can put you down as RG3. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, I'm going to say Mitch. I'm All right, stick with Mitch. I'm go- and how many wins are they going to get with Mitch? Sixteen over four years. Nineteen, including the Super Bowl. <laughs> no. Um, it depends. I think I think if Tyrod's brought in, I think they're definitely going to draft a quarterback anyway. So it just depends on on when Mitch gets in. I don't think he's going to start right away. But so basically, what you're I trying to tell me is that Mitch Trubisky is going to come I, here. He's going to win ten games. They're going to go to the Super Bowl year one. Yep. Yeah. He's going to throw one interception, and the fans are going to boom out of the stadium. You heard it here first. Hot takes <laughs> at Dog Pond Daily. Don't at me on that one. All right. So you think Mitch is going to start? So. Like I like to end every podcast of one so far and this one, I want to ask, you kind of dodged that. You said if Tyrod comes in, I want to know if Mitch Trubisky starts the entire season for the Browns, what is their record going to be? <laughs> we got to get you on the record. I told you, four. Like, no matter who starts, me. four. <laughs> Well, let's see. We the Kirk Cousins number will officially stay sealed, so uh, at least that will go <laughs> my record. And for now, I believe it was ten. One won't work out. So ten. That's good. I thought it was. I, kept, I thought it was eleven when we started. So I'm glad it at least got knocked down one. He can't even win ten in Washington. <laughs> How's he going to win ten here? But it doesn't matter. He's not going to come here. How many wins will the Browns get uh, in 2017 if Mitchell Trubisky is the starting quarterback for 16 games? Seven. Seven wins. I'm going to go four. And I don't want him to win four. I want him to win seven, eight, nine. I'll take I'll take top five teams in the 2018 NFL draft <laughs> for 200, Alex. So you think seven games. The Cleveland Browns. I believe you thought Garoppolo would win eight. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> seven. All right. Wow. <laughs> Just an optimistic guy. Just how, optimistic let me ask guy. you this for fun. I believe in How Mitch. many games would the Browns win if Tony Romo was the quarterback? The quarterback? <laughs> uh, God. It's got to be at least 10. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tony Romo. Tony. I don't think he'd make See, it. See, I'm going to go nine run, so I don't think with Romo. Be. I'm a big Romo fan. <laughs> and I could, you know what I see happening? I see us having all these scenarios. I'm more of a fan of the women. We're going to have all these scenarios set out. And Tony Romo is going to get signed by the Browns. (laughs) And we have to scrap all our material. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I can't can't talk about the only thing I like about Tony Romo is the (laughs) women that he dates. Uh, I don't think he'd be too fond of that. He's probably listening right now. Probably is. I think he really likes it. That's a... Well, that's a that's a reason why we had to scrap the last <laughs> podcast that Kirk Cousins Camp got a got wind of the Browns Dog Pond Daily podcast that was coming and uh, knew that that could that wasn't going to happen. Okay, I'm so I'm glad I have you on the air saying with what we say Mitch will Wars. win seven games. Huh? You hear that, Mitch? I hope you're listening. Have to hold you to that. Seven wins, seven wins, not in two years. So, Andrew, you are a very optimistic Browns fan. And that is admirable. I appreciate the optimism, but I don't foresee the Browns winning any more than, I'll say, five games next year, regardless of who's quarterback. I know we're going to be talking a lot about all the different quarterback options moving forward. And 
it's going to be fun at the combine because every year at the combine, it's you know leaked who the Browns are high on Deshaun Watson, they're high on um, Mitch Trubisky, whoever the top guys are, and of course they are. They're the top quarterback prospects. But it's going to be fun to talk about. Do you think any uh, any of those stories are going to come out? And if they do, do you think it's really anything to worry about? I, ever, I don't take anything right now seriously. None of it. <laughs> it's all smoke. It, it, no, it, it is. I mean, what, what are teams going to come out and say? They're going to watch someone run like Pat Mahomes. I, I think he's a guy that his stock's going to go up dramatically <laughs> during this process because teams look at guys that can run really fast, that play quarterback, and can jump really high and do all these athletic things, but – they don't pay attention to the defense. Yeah, exactly. They pay, they don't know what he can't do in the classroom that, I mean, look at guys like Johnny Menzel, Johnny Menzel, they should have known right away that he couldn't read a defense and 31 other teams also thought that. So <laughs> and the Browns were the ones to pull the trigger. So I think it's just important that, that when the Browns are looking for these quarterbacks, and I think Hugh Jackson will, will do that. Just look for a guy that's, that he knows he can run the offense with. And that's, that's his, we didn't see any of it last year because, we all saw the quarterback slot that was put out there, but you saw that offense that he ran two years ago in, in Cincinnati, and it's that up-tempo, no huddle, quarterbacks making quick decisions, getting the ball out, keeping the defense on their heels. You talk about Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell being a good tandem, like in a normal huddled offense. Imagine them in a no-huddle-tempoed no, no offense with Duke Johnson in the slot tearing apart linebackers that are already already winded. You know, I think – you could just find that quarterback play. It make it takes a lot of pressure off the defense and other players on the roster to to perform. Yeah, we're gonna have plenty to talk about next time with the combine being over. Um, it's at the time of recording. It's just beginning. We're gonna do um, the stories gonna come line, out late round scouting reports for offensive linemen and cornerbacks. <laughs> um, deep breakdowns on all of these players. So stay tuned. It's going to be a wild ride. I would compare it to in Mrs. Doubtfire when he shows up to the TV studio and the guy's talking about dinosaurs and they're falling asleep while filming. Um, that's what it'll be. <laughs> it is going to be need you to come in on Sunday <laughs> to finish up those late round reports. Uh, didn't it's a normal work day today. Just uh, calling to see where you're at. It's uh, nine 30. <laughs> Uh, this is Bill Lumberg. Thanks. <laughs> but it, it is, 90s movies aside, it is going to be fun, and we're excited to talk about it. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter with our handles that are on this video screen here, and follow us at Dog Pond Daily. Check out all our articles. It's the most fun time of year to write if you're a Browns fan. It's draft time and combine time. So be sure to check it out, and be sure to tweet your hot takes at Andrew as he will love to respond to them. Always. Uh, mostly screenshots. Send them to Steven. So uh, good luck and Godspeed. <laughs>